Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast, where our mission is to help moms figure out who they are in their ellipses or the dot dot dots beyond I'm a mom and. I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ ally, and this week, a refreshed Austin Pets Alive volunteer. I can't wait to hear more about that. Yes. I'm Missy Stevens, a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, foster care advocate, and this week, a comedy festival goer during a pandemic. Oh, girl. So maybe crazy. <laughs> Today, we are thrilled to have Leeson Stromberg on the podcast. Leeson is CEO of Prism Work, a workplace culture and leadership consultancy. She and her team work with clients to help them build next in class 21st century cultures with the future forward leaders their companies need to succeed. Leeson is also a best selling author, award winning independent journalist, and an in demand speaker. She earned her BA at Dartmouth and has an MBA from UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business and an MFA from Mills College. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. So excited. We to are have so excited. So, first of all, I just got to tell you your book, Work Pause Thrive. For people who do not research this area of women and career as much as I do, maybe don't understand that before this book, I mean, I, I had read The Feminine Mistake, not The Mystique, uh -huh. not The, not uh -huh. the Mystique, uh -huh. The Feminine uh -huh. Mistake, uh -huh. uh, like The Price of Motherhood, all really interesting books, yeah. but not super inspiring or uh, hope filling for a woman who has been out of the workforce for 15 mm. years raising mm, her kids. Yeah. So when I just want to make a poster of your stat from your study, 78% of those who paused and relaunched have no regrets. I'm like, no regrets. That's amazing. In fact, the highest life satisfaction of anybody. So amazing. So what stories aren't told like that, right? That no. narrative isn't told. So no. yes. No. I know. And I also came from an advertising background. And at the time I left, I was working on Apple and my client that I worked with there, you know, three kids that I call, I literally called her. I had no shame. And I was asking anybody who would come near me, like, should I, should I quit? And no. of course they can't give mm -hmm. you that answer. No. And it was kind of ridiculous, but just even having this statistic that, you know, women who have paused, mm -hmm. they don't regret it. And, mm -hmm. it, you know, pausing can be a really great time of reflection and it doesn't have to be the end of something. It's the, the thinking point of something. We're all in a pause in some ways, right? I mean, look yeah, at what COVID's right. brought to us. We've brought oh. this, the new term, the great awakening, right? Yes. I think mm -hmm. motherhood for so many women is the great awakening. And we've been doing yeah. this for a long time. So yeah. um, I like to call yeah. uh, COVID our global maternity leave where we're oh, like literally. Exactly, <laughs> right? Well, so many yeah. men I've speak to are loving this chance to be closer to their children oh, in a yeah. way that they haven't had to, yes. which gives me great hope because it makes me think about all those men when they actually return to the office, will they actually have shifted their narratives around being engaged with their children? So yeah. I, I actually and understand what's entailed in that. Like absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just going to the park. Like there's a lot involved. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Such an appreciation for it. And I really think there will be. I, I've talked before about yeah. how my husband, after I did my maternity leave, our childcare still had not opened up. So he did a three month paternity yeah. leave. Yeah. Which has scarred him to this, this day. It has impacted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say, actually, my husband was between roles. Um, I think our kids, I mean, we have three kids, and I think they were like maybe 10, seven, and five. Yeah. And we had a, a, a you know, I wouldn't call her a nanny, but she was a housekeeper helper. And then I was working and my husband was working and he was pausing and he come home. He came from home for school one day and he goes, this is more than a three-person job. <laughs> like, yes. Yes, and yes, it honestly, is. it shifted his whole perspective around yeah. his role as a father and his role as a partner in the housework and everything else. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally shifted it. Yeah. I mean, so. 15 years later and he's still like, I mean, our kids are pretty independent, but he's still like, yeah. do you need some time? Do you need some space? Why don't you go to the coffee shop to do your writing? Like, I got this. Um, but also the relationship that that gives them the opportunity to build with the kids is really Absolutely. special too. Huge. So. Absolutely. 
Okay, Absolutely. well, I went right into this book, but I really wanted to start with you. Oh. Um, you've talked a little bit about your mm. story, but so, you know, where your career started, how it's progressed over the years, and sure. some of the in, things that have impacted decisions along the way. You know, I was thinking about, the, the, you sent me questions, and I love it when that happens, because it gives me a chance to kind of <laughs> remember and ponder and all yes. of those wonderful things. So thank you for that gift. Oh, you're welcome. I would say that for me, becoming the mother was the defining moment. Because before that, you know, I'd gotten an MBA, I was a hard charging, you know, I was going to be in the corner office and I had all this mm -hmm. kind of really deep ambition, but it was a vertical ambition. And once I got pregnant, literally, I'll remember I was jogging. I was about five months pregnant. So kudos oh, to me, ladies, okay. that I was yeah, jogging. Yeah. I was pregnant. <laughs> but I'll never forget this moment of, oh, wait a minute, if you're not paying me fairly, you're hurting my child. And all of a sudden I became this kind of I wouldn't call it a tiger mama, but because it wasn't about the baby. It was about you hurt me, you hurt my children. Yeah. You hurt me, you hurt the world. And that's not okay. And I got really clear about what I wanted to do in the world. And my ambition became much less vertical and much more horizontal. I was mm. much more opening my eyes to the impact mm. in the world, to legacy, to impact in my own life. It was a gift. I, I, I think motherhood made me um, a better human. I'm so yes. grateful. Yeah. I mean, I don't talk about that enough, right? No. So, no. I mean, and nothing changes your perspective like a human. Exactly. Completely reliant on you at all times. Exactly. Yes. And it's not just them. It's their friends and then the community yes. they're engaged in and then the world at large. It's sort of this concentric circle of impact and legacy. And all of a sudden you realize it's not just about me. No. And that for me was a, a clarifying moment, a clarifying reality. Yeah. Yeah, And since yeah. then, everything has been kind of in relation to that in so many ways. Kids yeah. will, they'll bring you back. We say that, you know, when you do pause, yeah. one of the dangers is this loss of identity. Oh, and, completely. I and, really felt that. Oh, so yeah. much. And, yeah. and, you know, this loss of, you're not getting praise. You're mm -hmm. usually just getting complained at or cried at or yelled mm -hmm. at. Yeah. which can really tear you down to oh, a, yeah. right? a whole new place. So, you know, one yeah. of the things yeah. we really try to focus on getting our listeners is to either keep that identity if it's one mm. that they feel is working for them or to explore and look at, you know, redefining who you are and yeah. really taking that time to think about who you are. Um, is that yeah. something you went through or that you also see? Oh, deeply can relate now? to that. Yeah. So after my first child was born, son, um, and I was on kind of a fast track in my company. I actually got promoted when I was on maternity leave. And that was a big oh, wow. deal. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, right? Wow. And I got back to the office and they put me under two men who had stay-at-home wives. And my son was preemie. He's been, he was six weeks early and there was a lot of kind of drama around his preeminess. And every day they would ask me, don't you want to be home with your baby? Doesn't your baby need you? And, you know, of course I'm already struggling with this and everything else. And Right. And I was just so struggling. And I and I really loved what I was doing. But that pressure and I was also finding myself not getting invited to certain meetings and mm -hmm. sort of getting sidelines. And I didn't understand the term motherhood bias. But boy, did I experience it. And I got recruited into a role as a vice president of advertising agency. And I thought, this is awesome because I get out of and was working with a woman. And I just lost my get out of that. And I got pregnant with my second child. And of course, two weeks before I was supposed to come back to, to work, our caregiver quit. Oh. And my husband, you know, we couldn't figure this out. I couldn't get them into daycare. There was nothing I could do. And I said to my boss, I, you know, I need a little bit more time. And, you know, it's kind of like you're either in, you're out. You know, there was no, it was just, mm -hmm. it was so binary at that point in life. And this was, you know, right. 20 years ago, 20 more, more than 20 years ago. And my and I was like, if you're either in, you're out and you're not working with me. And by the way, I'm the one who drove all this business. I brought in all these clients. While yeah. I've been on maternity leave, I've still been navigating all this. I've got a team and you're just like giving me this binary option. I am out. Wow, I'm taking yeah. my healing capital elsewhere. Yeah. And I sort of took about three or four months to sort of figure out what I wanted to do. And I kind of put a little shingle out and I ended up making more money that year, working fewer hours on my own as a consultant, a marketing and strategy consultant, and mm -hmm. realized there's another way to do this that it didn't even dawn on me I could do. So yeah. for me, the gift of saying, 
you're making me choose and I choose me and I choose my family. And it created abundance in a way that I never anticipated. Yeah. Wow. So I share that, but I will say the crisis, the crisis of identity that I went through because I thought I was a failure. I thought everyone else could figure this out. I didn't mm-hmm. realize that all of us were struggling <laughs> because, you know, we didn't have wonderful podcasts like you have. We didn't have the stories. We weren't collectively sharing our experience. Mm-hmm. And so we were so isolated. And that to me was heartbreaking. In the book, I write about the not so new mother's club, which is what we call it now. But at the time, we we were all new moms. We actually met at Stanford Hospital. We all gave birth within six weeks of each other. And we joined this um, kind of mommy and me class that Stanford offered. And this group I've stayed with all of these years together. And these women have done such compelling things. And almost every one of them have navigated going in and out of the workforce, They've taken pauses. They've, I mean, we've got a two hugely successful female venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. We have a repeat CFO. We have a very successful journalist. We have, I mean, their list goes artists and, and I mean, huge success stories. We have a, a woman who paused and became a math teacher that she found her true calling. I mean, the point oh, being her. that we don't hear these stories, right? Bless yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't hear these stories because the narrative we're sold is your career has to be linear. Mm-hmm. And if you pause, you're going to be completely derailed. And it was that to me that when Lean In came out, I'll just keep talking. That's okay, oh, ladies. No. I don't know. Oh, you go. You go. Oh, <laughs> Once I get yes. started, I get so excited. <laughs> when Lean In came out, I was just like, wait a minute. Because I literally yeah. remember reading the book and going, oh, this is great. This is great. Like, where's the chapter on motherhood? Whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Up and close the book. And it's like, Wait a minute. Wait. Love you, Cheryl, but you missed something really important. I love and- the quote from the book where I, I think it was another woman who said it was, uh, forget lean in, stand up. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. exactly. Yes. Right. Stand up, look around right? and bring mm-hmm. in, bring in together. So yeah. I just felt the story wasn't being told. And yeah. so I ended up going out and starting to meet with people and start you know, I had my circle of people I knew. I thought, right. well, maybe we're the exception. Maybe our story is this exception. And and I don't know. Oh my God, I ended up getting so excited. I ended up interviewing 186 women and about 40 <laughs> men. I couldn't stop. Finally, my editor said, we don't need any more stories. <laughs> but I can't stop. It's not because they were so compelling and so inspiring right. and hearing these yes. women who just kind of figured out how to do it, but how they didn't have support and they didn't know how to do it. And yes. I but we need, we need we need those these stories. stories and we need we examples because yes. we don't know what we don't know. Like exactly. I quit exactly. and at the same time, a neighbor down the street, um, I met her and then the next thing I know, she's talking about how she's, you know, she's had the baby. She um, started her own LLC to basically do the job that she was doing, but as an independent contractor from her home she had a nanny so but she was working from home and had all this flexibility and i just was like what's an llc (laughs) that's an option i didn't even know that's what i'm done locked into so it was really interesting i started then doing real research right first there was the interviews excuse me and then i started doing research kind of secondary research what else is out there who else is out there and i was so shocked to learn that no one had done longitudinal studies on women's careers, mm. professional women's careers. Right. Why would they? <laughs> Why would they? Yes. I mean, it was really shocking to me. Um, the one study that was done ended in 2008. And basically the story was, oh, women's careers end. It's a nightmare. Nothing goes on. I but, read that you know, book. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I said, wait a minute. That's not what I know to be true. Maybe that was true, but I'm not sure that is true. Mm-hmm. So I ended up hiring a market research firm. I had no money, by the way. So I'm like, trying to, how can I, like, you know, actually the woman was amazing. She actually volunteered much of her time. But the oh. point being, I ended up meeting with a woman, a professor at Hunter College and asking mm-hmm. her, okay, what is a great research? What would be a, you know, statistically viable research? She goes, if you can get 200 women to respond to this, that is statistically, you know, meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
1,500 women responded, and we actually had to stop the survey because, again, my editor was like, we got to start. Eventually, you want to write the book. It just sparked. <laughs> People wanted to tell their stories, and the data that was coming into me was fascinating. As you quoted, 78% no regrets for their pausing. Now, to be clear, the women who paused the longest without any kind of uh, it can be unpaid, but without really keeping their careers alive in some way, shape, or form, right? So let yeah. me talk about that in a second. Those who had paused the longest did have the most regrets and, the, yeah. and had the hardest mm. time trying to reenter. The other group that really struggled were women who faced true financial difficulty, either through divorce or their loss of their partner's jobs, you know, the financial mm. impact. I yeah. mean... It's a real hit financially. And that's right. the conversation that no one talks about. I actually, by the way, Suzanne, I don't call it, I quit. I say I started because Ooh. I didn't quit. I started a whole new true. journey. So thank you. That is an important yes. distinction because it yeah. really is. I mean, that's the whole thing is your career. It's just a matter of what you're doing with it. And hello, if you've yeah. gotten and invested in your college degree, you know, and the women I wrote about was that was the one distinction. I was looking for high potential, high count, you know, women who've gotten a college degree. Not to say they're not having a college degree, but these are the ones that we expected to lean right. in. Mm -hmm. If you've spent the money to do that, you've committed your lives to actually having a career, whether you're in the paid workforce or not. And let's yeah. be very yeah. clear, our economy relies on, on the unpaid skills and talent oh. of women. Oh, yeah. So as the COVID has taught us. So the fact that we are tracking the contributions that unpaid labor, our unpaid labor does to schools, to caregiving, yeah. to all of it. Oh, yeah. Your section about there. how the GDP is figured. Oh, oh it's oh. just like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's so frustrating. So that was the thing for me that was writing the book is, you know, it started out with this, wow, it, it literally started with, is this my problem? <laughs> I'm the only one, you know, yeah. you know, what's going on? And then you kind of peel back the onion and you start seeing kind of what it looks like and what, what, you know, I'm a total capitalist. I got an MBA. Look, I'm not, but like how <laughs> American capitalism is different than other kinds of capitalism. What we've taught ourselves to believe success looks like and the lack of governmental support that we families get in this country relative to other countries. It just fucked my world. Oh, yeah. It's mind blowing what we could do with more support. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I think we're getting there, but maybe I'm being overly optimistic. I don't know. Well, no, I actually do have lots of optimism, Missy, right now, more than Good. I actually ever have. Um, we're seeing a real commitment to paid leave. Um, mm. I don't vote Republican always. Sometimes I do. But I didn't vote for Trump. But I will say he provided paid leave to government workers. So for the first time, and it wasn't just for women, it was for men, too. That's the first time we've had paid leave in this country on a federal level. And that's something yeah. we need. And so let's actually honor that we've got that finally. And the fact that Republicans were able to come together and support that is amazing because if we can create those coalitions to actually provide the support in our country, what a difference we could make together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talk about supporting amazing. family values. I mean, that is right, literally exactly. supporting the family. Um, right. Yes. And exactly. allowing a family to function in a healthy way. That's exactly right. And so when I, you're stressed about money, you can't function. No, that's exactly right. And we're seeing more and more things, more realization. I, again, back to COVID, we're talking about, I'm hopeful about the impact on men in COVID and what they're yeah. learning about caring for families, the whole responsibilities and how that might change the narrative when we go, quote unquote, back to work. It drives me crazy mm -hmm. if we say that we're all working like crazy. I know. <laughs> well, when um, I see all these reports about like people not wanting to go back to work and yeah. I'm really like, you, you get it now. You mm -hmm. get like this. I, I used to, <laughs> originally I wanted to call the podcast a stay at home mind F-U-C-K <laughs> uh, because it really is. It just does this number on yes. your identity and in values. And you feel like nobody understands it and nobody cares. Mm. But now the entire world, this universal simultaneous maternity leave that we've all mm -hmm. been on yes. for the past year, everybody, everybody's had a little taste of what that is like. 
what it's like to be stuck home, what it's like to not have control, what it's like to have this daily fear about the safety of your children. Because that's a lot when someone's at home with their baby. A lot of the lockdown that you experience is like, don't touch my baby. I can't go here. We need to do this. I need Mm. to make sure that they're back in time to have like the perfect nap. So, Mm. and so, I mean, just this idea that your, your career needs, your personal needs are not priority right mm. now and so i'm really hoping that that has been internalized mm, on a global so. non-gendered way because yeah. of it well uh, it was interesting the women who never paused their careers the ones who had the cross tab of never paused my career had high life satisfaction mm-hmm. were the ones who actually had what i call time mastery They're the Mm. ones who had bosses or companies or colleagues that didn't care when they got in the office, didn't Mm. care, you know, wasn't looking at FaceTime, you know, we didn't have productivity bias, right? We call it FaceTime bias, who just said, Missy, Suzanne, they get their work done and I don't care where or how they get it done, they -hmm. deliver and I can count on them. Yeah. Those women were really, really, those are the ones who never paused, who were really, really, really happy. So that to me yeah. was the, 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 like when I talk to employers and I say, what could we do? The number one answer, and this is pre-COVID, was empower your employees and not just women, men too, with time mastery. Don't assume that they're only productive when they're sitting right next to you. Mm-hmm. They're adults. Assume they're going to get their work done and support them for that. Yeah. And of course, employers are now forced into that because they <laughs> yeah. don't have their employees sitting next to them. So yeah. they have to trust their employees to get their work done. Although I have to tell you, uh, I just got, I was being interviewed by a financial services firm for a, a, another event. Do you realize that they were actually tracking keypad yes. strikes on their, on their workers? Yes, I saw that people were setting up their computers with like rigging it. Yes. To make it look like they were yes. moving so they could go get a cup of coffee or go to the bathroom or take a nap or whatever it was. And it That's blows re- my mind. Oh, my God. Okay. I thought you meant keypad because back in my advertising days, like you had to like itemize, you know, for certain no, clients. No. So you'd have to use a keypad to be like, oh, I'm doing this for this client. No, mm-hmm. you mean like keypad on their laptop. That they- this is right. Shocking to me that oh even in this gosh. day and age, they're doing that. But I'd like to believe in a few short years, that'll be a relic and people will boycott those environments and we'll see mass exodus for environments that are like that. I mean, we're hearing about the great resignation, right? And we right. joke, oh, it's yes. the great awakening. I yeah. am going to take my talents elsewhere because yeah. this is not working for me. And I want to be in a place where I'm supported and trusted and I can thrive and you can thrive and I want to be productive. Yeah. Which large Wall Street, I think it was a Wall Street firm. It was a really large firm, made a big stink, a big stand of like, you have to come back in the office. And if you don't come back in the office, you're fired. Who was that? Yeah, that would be Jamie Diamond at J.P. Morgan, Mm -hmm. where he said hustlers want to be in the office. Right. And if you don't want to be in the office, you just don't count. And I just thought, yes, so so broken. He learned nothing from this. So broken. He learned nothing. And I think that a lot of the work that we do at Prison Work is actually working with leaders to help them unpack their biases around what success looks like around productivity so they can actually support, you know, the new world of work. They're struggling because they came of age, as I did, when we all had to sit at our desks and, you know, grind away, not kind Mm -hmm. of giving us the chance to, to, I mean, look, we're all working, you know. Yeah. Where uh, all weekend, like I work on Saturdays and Sundays. It's like, what's, but I don't, but I love it. I'm willing to do it. But I also mm-hmm. at two in the afternoon, this afternoon, I'm getting my haircut finally. Right. <laughs> so, so it's right. like, you know, I'm just doing what I need to get done. And that's time mastery. And we yes. need to, we need to move to that. Yeah, and I, right. I think we see less, fewer women pausing. Again, no, no judgment on wanting to be held with children. There's a lot mm-hmm. to be, we should talk about that. But I, I think we're going to see fewer women pausing at least for extended periods of time, when we actually have time mastery. So it's actually better for women's careers, better for the economy, and arguably perhaps hopefully better for families when they actually can respect and honor the need to go to Joey's Soccer Gate or whatever your needs are, right? His dentist appointment. Just have options and choices and feel like you have some power over that. It goes a long way. I know. I want to talk a little bit about the pause. Yes. Um, I think... I love calling it a pause. Yeah. I love the idea of I'm not quitting. I'm starting. Okay. Yes. 
But I think the pause is in a lot of ways, a foreign concept to many women, because they think if I'm not forging ahead and keeping this job or in this field, I'm doomed. Yep. So can we talk a little bit about what a pause can yes. look like and yep. why it might be valuable? So let's do everything I didn't do. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the way. Uh, so I quit with no plan. Don't do that. Or I should say I started with no plan. Um, yeah. Right. Don't do that. Have a plan. I didn't tell anybody. I was so ashamed that I didn't say to the world, hey, I'm taking time to be with my children right now. This is what I'm going to do. But you know me. I'm ambitious. I'm going to figure this out. I'd love your help or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I was so ashamed. I just went inward. Don't do that. So don't don't quit without a plan. And even if your plan is, I'm going to pause for two years and I'm going to let everyone know if I had done that, which some of the women I spoke to did, which I so impressed by. Oh, yeah. um, I wish I had had a plan, was clear and was empowered by choice, which I wasn't. I wish Mm -hmm. I communicated to others. I really need to spend time with my children right now. It's really important to me, but you know that I'm very ambitious and I want a rich, rewarding career and a rich, rewarding family. I'm hoping you'll support me when I, you know, want, I'm ready to re-enter the paid workforce. Yeah. Um, By the way, can I make a side note? I hate the term working mom. Oh, God, yes. Oh, yes. It's, it's unpaid mom. Not not working mom. Do not say working moms. There are no working dads. What? When do you ever hear that term? Um, Yeah, my husband, he's a working dad. But I just want to pause. I want to pause on that pause for a second. Um, Because I feel like I did a disservice to myself and my daughter. I got a little better with my son. Um, I think a little bit of it was um, post- Mm -hmm. I almost said postmenopause. You know where I am now. That's where I am now. Uh, The postpartum, I think I had a little bit of that going on. But I think it was just not letting myself fully enjoy Mm. and like own that stage. And Mm. I think I did a disservice to her. Whereas I'm thinking, oh, I'm staying home. I'm I'm doing this for my daughter. This will be so great. But I don't think, I think it could have been better. I think I could Last night, my daughter, 25-year-old daughter, um, and I were sitting out on our front porch and um, having a lovely conversation about her attachment to productivity. And she Mm. was observing that when she's not productive, it makes her feel unworthy. And I'm like, oh God, I screwed up. Uh. (laughs) Because I realized, I mean, I don't want to take all of, take all her shit for all of her. Wonder she's wonderful. (laughs) Do not get me wrong. She's amazing. (laughs) Um, She really is. And uh, I feel so lucky. But I have a productivity bias in myself. If Mm -hmm. I'm not doing something, it makes me question my value. And that is, Mm. I I think my next book might be about that. Because there's something around toxic productivity that keeps us from being able to connect with each other. Mm -hmm. And if you're really going to pause, if you're really going to take this time to be present, I just invite every woman who is currently pausing out of the paid workforce to really, truly honor this moment and hear the gifts that you, you know, watch the butterflies, you know, I write in the book about my five-year-old son and he was kind of looking at this beautiful butterfly kind of flying around us. And I was like, my head was down and I was anxious Uh about something and not focusing on what he was, mom, mom, mom. I so think of that as this seminal moment where I just could have been present and I wasn't. And, you know, but yes, I was, you know, making sure you said it, clothed and loved and all those things, but I wasn't dancing with the butterflies. And that's that pause that I wish I had. I want to share with you a term I just learned, which I really wish I knew. It's called liminal. Have you heard of the word liminal? Yes, the liminal space. Yes. Yes. Gosh, you know it. Liminal is that time between. It's the time between working and thriving. It's pausing. And liminal is essential. When you look, talk to psychologists, when you talk to sociologists, liminal times are when great growth happens. And so if you think about this, this pause mm. is your period of cocooning because your butterfly is going to happen. That's mm. the gift you give yourself that, of course, again, I never gave myself, <laughs> but I really <laughs> wish I'd had. And I'm, I'm learning. I've, I recently paused again. 
my mother was very ill and I recently I took six months off and spent wow. time with her to help her pass. And what a gift. And I just am so grateful. And I was present and I learned my yeah. lesson. Yes. Um, so, so oh. yeah, let's do that. I think there's a lot of fear around so much fully fear. pausing and being, because if I'm in this moment, what am I missing? Mm. Yes. Mm. And that, or what mm. am I not preparing myself for? We're yeah. fairly fear-driven society, I think. That's so true. Sure. So I would say that there's reason to be fearful because again, there's a uber narrative of, you know, careers are what matters. Being paid is what matters. Caregiving doesn't matter. I mean, there is all of that, that, that is how we are trained and socialized in, in our country. And so so there's a reason to be concerned and there's a way to navigate it. One of the mm -hmm. things I was so impressed by were the women who were, one, again, intentional about their pauses, but also, two, using that time to develop either new skills or pursue new interests, mm -hmm. which led into great other career shifts. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing I found so inspiring. The other thing I found so inspiring were the women who really were out and proud about their causes. Like I'm pausing right now because I'm going to spend time with my children. I really value that. But hey, Suzanne, in a year, I really would love to connect with you because you're doing some amazing things. And I'd love to learn how to be a podcaster. Perhaps I can take you to lunch. And they were very, very clear and intentional. One woman I write about, oh my God, she's so impressive to me. She took a job uh, as, as a PTA fundraiser. She was running kind of a, some fundraising for them. And she did that because she knew she would have access to men who wanted to give money to the school. Oh. And she wanted to be in front of the men because she figured they would help her re-enter the workforce when the time was right. And sure enough, it was Smart. one of the men. Yes. Whoops, that's strategic. I was like, oh, oh my girlfriend. God. I How love you that. figured that out, right? And that's what our whole podcast is about, is yes. really trying to get moms, get women to be strategic, to be yes. intentional about right. that pause, to, you know, and I wouldn't say that first year that your baby's born that I don't, I, <laughs> nothing's intentional that year. You're just survival mode, survival right. mode. But there comes a time when you're, kids start to become more self-sufficient and you start to have some time. And I feel like we just naturally, we call it backfilling the busy. You yeah. start, you start painting the insides of cabinets. You start reorganizing mm -hmm. spice drawers when you should be arranging some of those lunches. You should be, you know, going to some conferences and those types of things. So I love how yes. I, that PTA creativity, that's a master, that's, awesome. that's a master class on, right? on right? really being intentional about this time. I love that. Love it. But okay, we're getting awful close to the look, listen, learn time. But one of the things that we try to be really conscious of when talking to our guests and talking to listeners is the privilege that comes around the pause. I mean, even just having the choice to pause or not mm. to pause. Right, right. And we're seeing this through the lens of two white women who have husbands who are supportive of our pauses, who have the income to allow us to do it, but also just being white in mm -hmm. today's world, um, in any day's world, we have some privileges that a lot don't. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious through your work at Prism Work, I mean, there's just so much intersectionality when it comes it's... to motherhood, racial, social injustices. You are another white woman, so I know you're yes. also seeing it through this a similar lens. Yes. But since you are in it day in and day out, mm. I, I want us to be thinking about things that we can do to be allies and accomplices for other moms. We're so about moms supporting moms. So what can we do to maybe help someone who does want to have a pause or who's trying to relaunch, who is facing racial social issues that maybe we're not as familiar with? It's, it's thank you for asking and, and being uh, present with what's really powerful and important. And I want to deconstruct this in so many novels. Mm -hmm. Let me start with something that to me was a, a real aha that I didn't understand because of my privilege, um, economic privilege, as well as being white and, and being married and, and everything. Why is it that we expect white women to pause their careers and that's what makes them good mothers? Why do we expect good mothers are white women who pause their careers, but Ooh. bad mothers are women of color who are pausing their careers because they're socioeconomically challenged? Mm -hmm. Why are they bad mothers when they're caring for their children, but we're good mothers when we're pausing? Because we actually are, as a society, 
supporting financially the mothers, arguably, who are economically challenged. Mm -hmm. So you may recall Ronald Reagan came out with welfare queens, right? And that was apparently Mm -hmm. the Black woman who was kind of relying on welfare and having lots of babies drawing welfare. That is a toxic way of looking at motherhood. And that is a punishing way of looking at motherhood. There's an organization that I love that provides diapers to under-resourced mothers because welfare doesn't pay for diapers because that's not a necessity, apparently. You can't put your child in daycare if you don't bring your own diapers. Diapers. So, so many under-resourced mothers literally cannot get jobs because of diapers. That's crazy. That's crazy. These are just systemic things that I learned that to me were so shocking this kind of, we don't support mothers to actually be in the paid workforce. Mm-mm. We don't support them at every level, right? We don't support them with parental leave. We don't support them with, you know, the things that under-resourced mothers might need, like diapers. Mm-hmm. We have an unwillingness to spend our tax dollars on caregiving in any way. So at a systemic level, you can lobby and work for, and, you know, vote in politicians who are actually going to support those things. And that can happen at the local level, right? Local states, local and city and states are actually now looking at disrupting parental leave and these diaper initiatives, literally diaper initiatives, because Mm -hmm. they know how fundamentally critical those are. So I would start at the political side and say, what can you do to look at what the politicians are doing to actually support caregiving? So that's mm-hmm. one thing. And then on a person-to-person level, the thing that I find so fascinating is, interestingly, women of color told me that it was men, white men, who helped support them get back in the paid workforce. Hmm. So many, many women of color that I interviewed who had paused, they found their biggest allies were white men. White women said men or women were their supporters. So because there's a right. belief system that there's only so many seats at the table for women. We women typically fight each other for those seats. And white women will definitely not, again, the data shows in my research reinforced to a certain degree, that we're not actually supporting beyond our other white sisterhood, if you will. That's not acceptable. So that's one way you can immediately disrupt the narrative is to say, how can I support you with your career? If you have a colleague of color or a friend or neighbor or whatever, that's Mm -hmm. one thing right away. Um, The other thing that I, that I I were right now at prison work doing some exciting research that's going to be coming out in November and I can't wait to share it. We've interviewed scores of women of color and surveyed over 1,500, 1,000 women of color and 500 white women to understand what does the future of work look like if we center it around women of color? What does it look like? And here's what's fascinating to me. Women of color, it's like they're leading the way in the workplace. They're so innovative. They're so like collaborative. We white women are often trained to believe it's a meritocracy. And then if we individually succeed, it's because we're so great not because there's a collective system that's actually supported us to succeed. Mm -hmm. So the other thing I would say is really kind of join ours and figure out how we women together, all of us can actually change the policies and programs and and practices. So I think this, we're at a turning point moment, back to Missy, your optimism, which I do share. Um, I also (laughs) am a glass half full gal, but I do share (laughs) because we're having conversations in a way that frankly we, you know, conversations through silos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that to me, those are just a few of the ways that we can support each other is recognize we white women do have privilege and we have, I think, a responsibility to, I call them, I actually don't like the term allies because to me, allies reinforce the current power structure. I like the term uh. co-conspirators because we disrupt <laughs> it. Yeah, we I like as women too. are co-conspirators that actually change the narrative. So we actually all win, not just women, men, mothers, non-mothers, you know, all of it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do that. Let's be co-conspirators. I love, Ooh, that. I love that. I'm adopting that. Yes. None. Please do spread, spread that word. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, I love, I love ending on that. But before we go into the look, listen, learn, you talked about the research that's coming out in November. Mm-hmm. Do you do speaking engagement? Like, are sure. there places? I place? love to. I will love to speak about um, prison work. We do three things. 
we work with companies to help them look at their culture and their their policies and programs and practices, their employee experience and their leadership. We call it the workplace prism and we assess them to help them really figure out how can they be best in class in this new world of work? What do they need to do? That, of course, leads into a lot of leadership reframing. And so we have a whole leadership training and development program that we do with more senior leaders. And that's really exciting because we help them see it's just not that hard. And if they reframe their thinking, if they reframe some of their actions, they can actually be co-conspirators and they win too, by the way, they're not losing power. Their businesses get better. You know, that they are able to retain employees better. So there's all these economic benefits that we do. Mm -hmm. And the third line of business is really doing impact research. We really want to find out the stories and tell those stories in a new and different way. And so that's kind of what we do. And I love, love going out to talk about what we do. I talk about the research I've done. We're right now in the midst of a really exciting program where we're actually piloting a 21st century lab for men to help them figure out how they can be co-conspirators. And I'm loving the stories that I'm hearing and their vulnerabilities and they want to make change and they don't know how. So oh, for yeah. me, I, I, again, back to Missy, I just feel, I'm feeling hopeful. I am too. I just feel like the working world has put these gender stereotypes that have done a disservice to everybody. I feel like <laughs> we need a major Ted Lassoing of the entire oh, like God. corporate universe. <laughs> we all want Ted Lasso. And oh, all my like, oh my gosh. And a whole soccer team. It's just beautiful. And the relationships between all of them. And I love what they're doing for women's relationships yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. And But the fact that men love the show too, shows oh. that it is touching a truth. Yes. A truth. That, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Suzanne is touching a truth. That it is. is something that they are feeling and that they yeah. want to do too. But we've got these gender roles sure. that everybody feels like they have to be in line with. I do feel really good. I I am a co-conspirator for LGBTQ students in our yes. community. Yeah. Um, and I just love to see that even the labels, I mean, there's what, like 20 something labels that people usually try to put around gender and like, and there's, they're like, no, there needs to be like millions of them. There's, it doesn't even need a label. I'm this person. Exactly. And this is who I am in the world. And I don't need to name it. I just, mm -hmm. I just, I just it. I just yes. am. I know. And that's enough. And so now where can people find you online, mm. your website and all that good stuff? Sure. So Prism Work, P-R-I-S-M-W-O-R-K.com. If you go to LisaStromberg.com, it'll direct you to Prism Work. I have to redo my website. I just haven't done them. It's so busy. We get that. You can find me at Lisa Stromberg on LinkedIn. If any of your listeners want to connect on LinkedIn, I'm always willing to connect. I think it's really important to support each other. LinkedIn is a really great place to do that. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, less so on Instagram, just because I'm so busy. Um, and Twitter, I love to just kind of stalk. I'm not that active, but yeah. I do sometimes take a stand and just say, really? <laughs> so sure. Here's another way of looking at it. Oh. Um, so yeah. I just yeah. wanted to go update my website the other day and my about me page I had my kids at like three years ago. Right. It's like, yeah, I think it's, so, I think it's time oh, for yeah. a little refresh. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't exactly. looked at mine in so long. I Maybe know. I need to add that to the list of things. Yeah, to do. go look at your about me. You'll be like, that isn't about me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> not, that is not it. Go. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yes, let's jump into the look, listen, learn segment. So for anybody who is, this is their first episode, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, but the look, listen, learn segment is time when we each share something. It could be all three categories or just one looking at can be anything from like reading, watching, a piece of art, mm. anything, or just the butterfly that you could have been looking yes. at, uh, something you've been enjoying. Um, and then uh, listening to could be a podcast or a great song and learning could be anything from a class to a really great shade of lipstick that you found. <laughs> so Lisa, would you like to start? Um, I'm going to do many, many things. Okay. Um, All right. I will start with, you asked about how uh, white women can support women of color and a really amazing woman who I've had the pleasure of meeting and speaking to a number of times, Dr. Ella Bell, wrote a book years ago called Our Separate Ways. And it went out of print. And then there was so much of a call in the last year. They've reprinted it. Harvard Business Review has just reprinted Ooh. it. And it's called Our Separate Ways. And I think it does a brilliant job of highlighting the experience of white women and black women in corporate America. Mm. and what we learn. And it was from Ella that I learned about 
kind of how white women privilege the whole concept of meritocracy individualism and how women of color, particularly black women, support collaboration. And if we white women can learn about collaboration, then actually we'd be so better off. So that's kind of a wonky thing I'll add, but it's a beautiful, beautiful kind of awareness for me of learning things about the privilege I've had that I think that would share. And then I'll give you a fiction. I, I read a lot of fiction and I, um, I'm just been listening to a book and tape and I just read. So the, the, the book I just read literally came out last week. It's called Assembly. And if anyone mm -hmm. read Mrs. Dalloway, um, mm -hmm. you'll know that the story of kind of a woman's life in one day and all the things she journeys. So this is the story of a young woman She's from Barbados. She lives in Britain. And it's a story of her one day in her life and all of the ways she experiences being a woman of color. She's dating a white man. He has privilege. She doesn't. You know, she's very, very successful professionally. And you sort of see it through her eyes, but you never see her. And it's this really tiny, thin book. And I've read it now three times. Oh, wow. Because it's just like, oh, the writing is brilliant. And it's beautiful. It's called Assembly. Okay. And then the last thing I listened to was The Midnight Library. Has anyone listened to yes. that? You, Missy, have you, you yeah, read I listened. You listened to it? You listened? Yes. Listened. They it's did so such good. A good job. Yes. It's kind of the, I love it as a book for women who are pausing because it's all the lives we might have led. Mm -hmm. And I think the story of all the lives we might have led and making peace with the one you're living right now or experiencing right now. That to me is the, the, the journey of the pause. And I think if there's a gift you can give yourself, I would love to invite your listeners to listen to that. Yes. Oh, I love that. I second stories. that. It's a great listen. Like the, like the sliding door. Did I tell, I think I told you, or maybe I just put it on social media. My son last week, he's 11. They were talking about that in his English class, like it's small decisions that have big impact and just small things that you do in your life. And so we were talking about the what if series that Marvel has and mm -hmm. like all these little things. And we talked about how, oh, well, we moved from Seattle to here and like what would have happened? Like what friends would we have not made or made? And and I was like, well, what was so what are you writing your paper on? What's your what's your little little moment? He's like. <laughs> The moment that Zoe introduced me to Phineas and Ferb. Oh. <laughs> Phineas like, and Ferb is pretty fabulous. I was like, okay, that and that's, that's the moment. That that really <laughs> just changed the trajectory of his little eleven-year-old life. But sweet, it, it at least got him a Halloween costume. That's how it, like, it pointed him in that direction. And he's still doing Halloween. My niece yes. and nephew are still doing Halloween. They're eleven as well, and we're yes. gonna host them. I can't wait. It's so much fun to do that. I think it's more fun to do Halloween with other people's kids yeah. like now. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Less worrisome. Oh Less worrisome. my goodness. You just enjoy oh. it all. You're not like, oh, and we have to deal with our over candied monsters tomorrow. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, okay. oh, no. Uh, listener, listener. Hey moms, listener tip. <laughs> the Halloween witch. Did you guys not have the Halloween witch? Oh yeah, we did no. that. The Halloween fairy. And we take all the I candy back. She was a fairy. Nice. Like, yeah. No, no. She would take the candy and leave you a gift. And so for years, I would like the kids would get to choose 10 or 15 pieces of candy. Then they'd get like a special gift that they wanted. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Like, I busted it. Brilliant. I forgot to put the candy away. And they sounded like, what's that? Like, what's this? Why is there a bag of my candy in your room, mom? Because <laughs> that's what I eat in the afternoon when I'm about to lose my mind. Exactly. <laughs> take all the peanut butter cups out. And those are for mommy uh, i used oh. to tell mine when they were really little that it went bad after a while uh, oh my God. like we would pick out right. our favorites the like in the week after and then at some point i'd be like it has all gone bad i don't I remember know. how long i got away oh, with that what a lie what a God, horrible lie because it's half-life is usually what 30 years from looking right like, like it actually never goes bad or changes okay. in any way because it's from, chemicals from the lady who has a little ocd over expiration dates shame on you <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I lied like that. And I can't believe I just admitted it. Oh, I'm just teasing. I, I'm sure I have, told, I have told my share, like, don't eat that. It's gross. You want like that. That's my cake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh. It's spicy. I used to tell them things are spicy. It's spicy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're so bad. And in the meantime, I can't get my kids to eat ketchup because they're like, oh, it's going to be spicy. <laughs> like, no, you're it's fine. all sugar. You would you're like You're in it. Texas. Eat the ketchup. <laughs> um, oh, well, I'm glad to have. Okay. So that's a few new um, fiction books. I need, I've been yeah. so in 
nonfiction land. I need mm-hmm. to, and I'm still trying to get through Cersei and my. Oh, which I loved. Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yes. I, fe- I listened I was, to that one too. I'm listening to it and it was making me feel dumb because I don't, I didn't recognize a lot of the names of the But they're gods such and minor goddesses. characters. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, I apparently, my Idaho education did not prepare me for Cersei. <laughs> and so I was really nervous <laughs> until I heard Medusa. I was like, yay, I know one. <laughs> um, so, so I'll dive back into that, but then I'm going to read some of these. But I'm continuing my things from 20 years past. Missy is familiar with the fact that I've been watching The Sopranos. They have the new movie coming out. Yes. Oh, and we had watched that. we had watched it so long ago, back when Netflix was the Netflix DVDs. Yes. And that's all you get. Yes. Um, and so we had watched it so long ago and they had this new movie coming out. So we we're like, oh, we should watch it again. Don't remember a single thing. No. Oh my gosh. I don't know right. what was I mean, you know what? That was that was when I guess Zoe either right before Zoe was born. Right. But yeah, I think I was just in work. I, all I was thinking yeah. about was what's Disney doing? What's Apple doing? My brain exactly. not taken what Tony Soprano's yeah. doing. I don't remember much about it at all. I feel like we should, you're kind of encouraging me to rewatch it. It's yeah. really good. It is so timeless. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have just yes. been released this year and it still would have been like kind of yes. groundbreaking. It's really mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, so, but we're also now watching The Simpsons <laughs> because... <laughs> Because I just want to relive the 80s and 90s as much as I can. Um, yep. So, yeah, we're watching this because the kids just discovered The Simpsons. I've been trying to get them to watch it for years, and they're like, meh, meh, meh. And so finally we're like, just sit down and just watch just one. Watch. And and now every night they're like, can we watch The Simpsons? So Sweet. now we're, we're into that. It's a hard um, thing to start, though, because there's so many. Like, you can't just... There are it's true. through it. Like it's years and years and years. True. And I think I told you, Missy, I'm trying to be more transparent with our kids about our failures and our wins. Yeah. And so my husband and I went to the Texas Writers Conference this weekend. And my husband, for the second year in the row, won the manuscript contest <gasps> for the thriller category. Congratulations. I know it's amazing. Yeah. But then my but then my son's as I was tucking him in, we got back from the conference and he's like, Well, what did you win? <laughs> like, well, <laughs> I was like, I didn't win anything. I was like, but in my defense, I also didn't submit anything. He's like, that's a good lesson, mom. You know, if you if you don't try, you can't lose. I was like, okay, kid. Eleven years giving you life advice. I, I love it. He's being all sarcastic about like, you well, don't yeah, try, you okay, can't lose. You don't try. Um, so I'm like, well, I'm going to try something. So I'm submitting to the Irma Bombeck. Um, nice. They have a like, it's not a fellowship. It's a writer in it's like residence. a writers in resident or writer in residence yes. type program. Oh. Yeah. But the judges of it are the voice of Bart and Oof. one of the writers of The Simpsons. Oh, and so that's I told great. my kids this. So I, I'm telling them in the sense that the competition stiff. I'm not expecting to win this thing, but just so they know, hey, I'm I'm doing something. I am now. Exactly. I'm going to give my chance to fail or to win because yeah. before I wasn't even trying. So that was a little lesson I learned from myself. Oh, I guess I had to learn. That was my learn. That was and fun. then if you don't win yeah. that time, you'll like reapply and maybe you'll yeah. win another time, right? You, you win like resiliency, right? We keep trying. Exactly. Okay. What if I have been, okay. I have been, what I watched this weekend. I had a little bit of downtime and decided to just watch some TV. Um, and actually, I had a ton of guilt about that, and then had to work through that. So that was a whole learn of like lots I have of proximity, right? Yes, yes, I need downtime. This is fine. So I binged on The Verge. It's a new show on Netflix, and it's yeah. maybe t- 10, 12 episodes. I can't remember. Um, like 20, 30 minute episodes. It's middle aged women, mm-hmm. like women. Love it's it. right in our wheelhouse, Suzanne. All trying to figure <laughs> out wheelhouse. what's next. Yes. All mm-hmm. trying to deal with life at this like they're on the verge of something Mm -hmm. it might be on the verge of a meltdown it might be on Mm -hmm. the verge of a career change but they're on the verge it has a great cast elizabeth Mm -hmm. shoes in it i've always loved elizabeth yes um it's a really good cast and um, not a perfect show but enough great moments that i highly recommend giving it a watch so that is my recommendation there and um this is not a look listen or learn but i'm crowdsourcing so i'm supposed (laughs) to go (laughs) Every year, my brother and I attend a local comedy festival here. It's called the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. And of course, it got postponed last year and it was rescheduled for this weekend. And we have our passes. All the venues are inside. Oh, yeah. And I have a lot of anxiety. Like, do I go? Do I not go? Do I abandon my brother? By the time this airs, I will have made my decision and it'll be passed. But um, what what are their requirements? What are they requiring? Because like ACL is hardcore. 
Okay, proof of vaccine. And yeah, so masking? people do need to be vaccinated to go inside. Yes. Are they making In theory, masks? people are. Um, I haven't seen anything about having to wear a mask. Mm. And these, I guess it's probably up to each venue because it happens at clubs and things all over downtown. Mm. And so it might be up to each venue whether or not you're masked. Mm. But a lot of these places are tiny and crowded. Mm. It's not like we're talking great ventilation. Mm. <laughs> I have a ton of anxiety about it. So that's kind of where my brain is this week. Like in the midst of doing all my other stuff in the back of my mind always is, do I do this? Do I not do this? Do I mm. let my brother down? Will he be let down? I don't know. Maybe I go and just hopefully so we're vaccinated. Year, maybe but... and see, like, let your gut, listen to your gut. Yeah. See, see if you get that little missy tingle. If you walk in there, you're uh -huh. like, this doesn't feel right, or this stuff feels safe. We were really worried about the Texas Writers Conference because we, because it's, it's in Texas, yeah. <laughs> and um, and it was the first time we'd been like together like that. And there was a lunch, and we we're like, well, you can't wear your mask while you eat a lunch, and mm -mm. and they did a really good job spacing people out. But that's a different kind of venue too. Like they literally like they spaced the seats apart. Um, right. Right. Like this will literally be sitting at so tiny I'll tables or rows. I share with you what happened to my son. He and uh, my son and his boyfriend were in Provincetown for 4th of July. They had 10 people, 10 good friends. They rented an Airbnb. All of them were double vaxxed. All of them took a COVID test before. They were really trying to be responsible. They went to venues. They wore masks the whole time when they went dancing, but they were inside venues dancing with mm -hmm. masks on. Yeah. They left Provincetown and um, eight of the 10 got COVID. They tested positive for COVID. My, my son and his boyfriend did not test positive for COVID. They don't know. And they kept testing for like three weeks afterwards. Right, yeah. Maybe it's just delayed. They never got it. But their eight friends did get it, it they, that they were staying with. And yeah. um, all of them had been double vaxxed. And um, all of them had very, very mild symptoms. Now they're in their yeah. mid-20s. And so, you know. Right. Yeah. But it was, they were, you know, it was kind of concerning and scary. And so they've kind of not gone back to any, this was in July. They haven't gone back to any inside venues. Um, yeah. They prefer to party outside. <laughs> so, I have not done anything inside like I that. I haven't at either. all. So I think that's part of my anxiety too. Like just yeah. being in a yeah. semi-crowded room with a lot yeah. of people is also COVID aside. I'm like, oh, do I yeah. want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Like, all the social anxiety. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. That is, that's real. I've sort of forgotten how to do it. Some of it. And exactly. definitely going to a festival is way out of my wheelhouse all of a sudden. So I don't yeah. know. Pick, pick the yeah. events that aren't as popular and maybe there won't be as many people there. Yeah. Go to the bad comics. <laughs> yeah. Go to the real <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious how many people will be there. I'm curious if any of the comedians will cancel so far. They haven't. Like, I'm just shocked that it's all happening. I keep waiting any day for them to be like, eh, not happening. But now, I mean, yeah. it's technically starts tomorrow. Yeah. So I guess well, it's happening. ACL is requiring proof of vaccine. For a while, they were going to say even people with proof of vaccine had to do a negative test, but you have to have a negative test within 48 hours or something like mm. that. So that's going to be really interesting. Good luck, Walgreens of Central Texas. You're going to be right. overwhelmed. Inundated. Right. Oh yeah. Gosh. Moon Tower said, I guess it is vaxxed or proof of a test, but I feel like that's useless because I could test negative this morning and have COVID tonight. And that's exactly even as right. a vaccinated person. That's exactly right. That's exactly so right. So I think that's silly. I mean, I just don't see how there's not COVID floating around those rooms. It just seems impossible. I'm sure there is. Sadly, well, I think there is. I yes. feel like we've really not solved this problem for you, Missy. That's <laughs> okay. I mean, I knew we weren't going to. I just I just needed to talk it out a little bit. You won't be yes. the last people who listen to me go through this this week. I guess the question really comes down to what are the consequences, right? Yes, if right. you've been double vaxxed, the likelihood is you're not going to suffer, but you, you will potentially be infectious to those you love around you and to the wider community. So it's what yeah. you do afterwards, right? Can you right. kind of... Uh, can you pause? Can you hunker yes, in and right. and and just make sure you get through that? What is it, fourteen day window, whatever the day window yeah. is that they they keep changing that yourself. too. They do. They're like it's five days. It's seven days. It's I'm fourteen. So confusing. Yeah. So maybe you just plan to quarantine a bit. Yeah. yeah, I should look at my schedule. Maybe I can do most of my life from home next week. Yeah. yeah. That oh, show so. on the verge that I was watching takes place in pre-COVID LA. Yes. But they mention it a couple times and I actually oh. felt my stomach tighten and lurch like what we didn't know. That. Yeah. And, and they're having the conversations that we all had with everybody like, Oh, there's a few cases here. Oh, 
someone was traveling and her husband was like, what hand sanitize and wipe down the airplane. And she was like, you're so silly. I have a little thing when I'm driving in the freeway and you see bumper to bumper traffic on the other side and you get past the traffic and then you're looking at the people on the other going, your future is not good. And yes, I, know I do like. that. You're yeah. going to get stuck. And I keep thinking about that. I know, hope you went shows, to the bathroom. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think about, you know, what we didn't know, the little less yes. back in 2019. And it all oh, seems yeah, so different. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but... Oh my God. I told you we were going to keep you after. Yep. And it's we good. sure did. And we're going to go. It's you good. have a meeting. I you do. have a meeting. I do. But... It's such a pleasure. And I'm so grateful you're doing this. Every mother who has a chance to listen to you and be in community with you. What a gift. I didn't have this. And so the fact that you're doing this is such a gift. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here with us. And no, everyone needs sure. to read the book. Oh, yes. thank you. Thank oh. you for this book. I, I mean, it is it. such an inspiration after because we really 90% of the books around this topic are very don't yeah. don't do it. You'll be sorry. <laughs> don't you stop working. Yeah. So it really does give another option. And I'm so grateful yeah. for you doing that for not just for women, for everyone and everything that you do through your company. I really appreciate all that you're doing. Amazing. Some work for that. So yes, thank you so much for taking this time out of your busy schedule Pleasure. and being with yeah. us. And enjoy your haircut later too. Finally. Oh. <laughs> I hope, I, I, I hope you get the full wash. I hope you get the full wash. That's what imagine. I really missed. I oh, it feels so good. Enjoy right. every moment of it. And thank you again for being thank part of the you. show. Be well. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging, please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com, with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private Mom and Community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.